Hey everybody, welcome back to Up The Vibe, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Elena Danan, who is an author, shaman, archaeologist, and a mystery for the Galactic Federation of Worlds. Hi Elena, how are you today? Hi, I'm very good. Thank you very much for having me. It's going to yeah. be good fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and thank you for your time. It's, um, it's amazing to finally speak to you, having um, followed you for you know a couple of years now, and I just wanted to start, if you could, on introducing yourself and maybe talk a bit about the Galactic Federation of Worlds. Yes, yes, okay. Yes, so, so I'm um, I'm archaeologist, that's my my uh, real job. <laughs> um, I'm also a druidess, shaman and other stuff, artist, etc. I'm a contactee since the age of nine um, and I've been abducted by grey aliens, the Nebu from Orion and saved, rescued in a process by uh, personal from the Galactic Federation of Worlds. I kept contact with them, only with specific individuals, and I'm still in contact to this day. I wrote a book about that in 2020, A Gift from the Stars. I wrote another one uh, a little bit later, and uh, we will never let you down, and I'm still writing. So this is me, and well, um, the Galactic Federation of Worlds um, decided to uh, make an emissary of me, because I was passing on messages and uh, it was working well. And now I am uh, officially uh, doing that. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And you said you're an archeologist. I, I think you know, you've been, yes. to, been in Egypt, right? So yes. how has that influenced you? Well, e Egypt, I want to be an archeologist since I was a child um, and um, especially drawn to the mysteries of the past. That was what was drawing me to do archaeology. When I worked, I, I, was, um, I had a degree in Egyptology, archaeology then specialized in Egyptology. I was hired for eight years permanently on, in Egypt, in Karnak, but also I worked on many different sites. Um, Giza, the Valley of the King, Dendera for the, the most uh, important ones. How it did this influence me? Well, it confirmed to me that there was more than um, academic mm -hmm. knowledge to the equation and there was magic behind the structure of the world and this magic could be accessed. This magic I always have been connected with since I was a child and this confirmed to me that uh, that was the right way to go. So, yeah, Egypt encouraged me to keep on going and studying the paranormal. <laughs> and um, yeah. yeah. And before you went to Egypt or, or during, were you aware of the works of people like um, Eric von Dannegan, Graham Hancock, um, yes. about the ancient astronaut sort of theory and, and how who built the pyramids and all this? This was all something you were trying, were you trying to confirm or were you already quite well versed in that? Well, I read all these books you mentioned, yeah. and I wanted to confirm it to myself, to see it with my own heart, I would say, yeah. because you feel these things, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, yes, you know, when you're in the place, there are the energies. It's, it's something so powerful that it confirms everything. You don't need even to talk to think. It's evident that it's, there is something. Um, yeah. Fantastic. And when you uh, got to writing the books, how, how do you how do you find the time to write these books? Do you do it all in one go or do you kind of do it sporadically in, in stages? I do it constantly. I organize my time. Uh, I do a little bit every day. I work well every night. I work mainly at night. 
and uh, it, it takes it takes a whole, all my time um, researching for the books, having contacts, taking notes, um, making videos as well for people. You know, um, I work all the time since two years, and as um, as I was explaining um, on my channel, or some people. Um, a short while ago I do not have the time to have a normal job you know and uh, so uh, it's, um, it's quite an adventure it's quite risky but um, I manage yeah um, you've you've uh, you've got a very good style with writing a, with your with your books certainly have you, have you had that all the time or have you kind of adapted and got better at it do you think or... I think yeah I got um get better at it I yeah. suppose with time and training um, I was already writing in French books in books okay. in French uh, so I was you know I had this passion for writing already so it, mm -hmm. it's still a passion <laughs> and the book uh, Alien Race is uh, a gift from the stars that this one I've I read uh, I think a year ago and it says in it that's a fascinating chapter on the alien races and I know it only touches on um a small amount of what's out there but this these this information i gather that you got that from a document that came from russian secret services can you can yes. you elaborate a little bit on on how you came by this document and this information so this document was available for to, to, you could buy it a few few years ago uh, i don't know if it's still i don't think you can find it anymore it's been uh, removed it's the kgb book of alien races so i wasn't aware of that you know when i started to write my book a gift from the stars my purpose was to tell my abduction and rescue story mm -hmm. period i was in the middle of that and in the letterbox one morning uh, i saw this big envelope a4 envelope blank neat clean like new, like fresh from the shop, you know, mm -hmm. it hasn't gone through this, the, 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 the travels. Uh, US Airmail, uh, no address, nothing, not even my name on it, mm -hmm. nothing, just blank uh, in, in stock in my letterbox. And uh, what's that? So I said, okay, obviously that's someone who took, put that in my, my, my hand. I asked the postman afterwards, he, he said, I had nothing to do with this. <laughs> well, there was this uh, document inside, uh, KGB document uh, written in English with a repertoire of, uh, I think there was about 50 alien races, um, maybe less, description and photographs and uh, photos of uh, spaceships as well. A lot and uh, I was terrified because the first page was said that's destined to the agents of KGB in case of extraterrestrial contacts here is here are who they are and how you must behave mm -hmm. and it was like and anything anyone who like let's leaks this document is in trouble you know and I mm -hmm. have that and read that one <laughs> who, who, who did this bad joke to me and never could find Anyway, uh, I, I asked my contact, uh, Thorhan, and um, he said, no, it's not me. And he said, but I know it is someone who wishes good to you and wants to help you. And he wouldn't tell me and never told me who it was. I respect that. 
um, because you know anything I know I say it mm-hmm. so <laughs> better not to tell me because I uh, well uh, I went through it and I told him well could you please uh, go with me through that and tell me if that is really real and he said okay and he said well all the descriptions all of them are exact just the photographs are not exact they are most of them taken from movies or other documents that don't correspond Uh, i said you know you can't take photos of extraterrestrials so the photos are the most approaching they could find with movies okay so and then i said well i can't draw could you show me how they look like and it started like this so we started like for fun um i was drawing he was showing me pictures in my head and i was drawing them and he would add uh, informations and then we passed a level when uh that we needed to ask authorization to go forward and he got the authorization from his hierarchy and uh, i could publish that and he gave me way more information and way more races about that afterwards okay so that's how it went do you see you still have the document now yes yeah and uh actually you've answered my next questions about how the drawings uh in the book because they there's some great drawings about all the different races i wondered how they all came about and you say so some of them were uh come came from imagery through your head uh, from someone, yes. and some of them came from the documentation as well or pretty much all of it was coming from the imagery no i i rather do my own drawings than mm-hmm. copying a document because i didn't know about the copyrights mm-hmm. i didn't want to chance it uh you know so uh i i start back from scratches okay um that that sure. was the, sure. yeah the, the book of alien races of the kgb just was the start starter you know mm-hmm. the, the that started the project and then I, I, I rather because they, they don't know anything above their upstairs yeah. about copyrights and stuff so I rather yeah. start you know from scratches so that's, that's yeah when did you receive that document roughly um, must have been January or February uh, 2020 oh right quite recently I guess in, in the scheme of things from, yeah. from the perspective so you were quite you were already in contact with Thorhan quite regularly by then I guess yes Yes. Okay. Um, from that uh, list of alien races, would you say that there's a, a subset of the races that you would um, like people listening to maybe take a bit more time to understand because maybe they're going to be those more human looking ones that we might see in that initial contact phase further down the road? Yeah, yeah there are three main groups of extraterrestrials. Mm-hmm. You have the Sikar, the reptilians. We we call them the Draco reptilians. Mm-hmm. So these ones are an empire and they are very uh, aggressive and uh, they like conquest, you know, conquering new territories. Their second group, Nebu, Greys, Orion Greys, called Nebu or Domain or Dominion. Uh, these are uh, quite uh, a plague in this galaxy because they they are um, yes conquering as much worlds as they can and enslaving people. Um, those are the ones who passed agreements with the the MJ12 during the Eisenhower administrations to enslave human race and you know all these agreements. There's a whole chapter about it. 
then and uh, second group and third group it's humanoids but then um, humanoids are involved in the galactic federation of worlds which is multi-species multi-racial there's any shapes or form in it even good reptilians and even good greys you know okay. so i'd say Sika reptilians mm -hmm. orion nebu greys and galactic federation of worlds now galactic federation of worlds they are not on their own I would extend it to call it the Galactic Alliance, because in the Galactic Alliance, it's a very positive group that fights the Nebu and the Sikar. The Galactic Alliance has Galactic Federation of Worlds, the Andromedans, the Council of Five, and minor groups. Okay. And the groups, do you think, um, will be making more contact? Are they ones that might come from, say, Proxima Centauri, the sort of closest stars, more humanoid looking? Yes, oh. the first contact, the first contacts I've been told will be those who totally look like us. It's the mm -hmm. Alpha Centaurian systems, Proxima yeah. and uh, Alpha A. No, sorry, Alpha B, sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, Alpha B and Proxima. These ones look totally like us. And then they they do that by, by waves, you know, progressively they'll introduce more different features. Uh, the Umit from a Wolf 4 to 4, they have higher forehead. Mm -hmm. uh, they start to look less human and then you have some Pleiadians uh, with the big eyes who are going to come in and then, and then, and then, and then until the weird ones at the end. <laughs> yeah, I imagine yeah. I'm fascinated by it all. Um, and I, I don't know if you can give an idea of what you think of the timelines are for this, this sort of contact. Are we talking the next 10 years or could we be talking, you know, <laughs> in my, Roughly, my lifetime? It's a temporal yeah. more but it's <laughs> stabilized now um roughly no no now things if you want it's not depending on temporal war anymore because it's over the temporal war is over the timeline has been stabilized mm -hmm. that's great now news for those who knew you knew that it was happening <laughs> yes <laughs> now there the the, the equation is, the equation is it depends on humans mm -hmm. It's not depending on extraterrestrials, this first contact, the timeline, the, the, the time, what the date. It's depending on us. When we'll be, we will be ready. Yeah. When we will be ready, it's when we will have sorted out our problems mm -hmm. and learn how to get on well together. Definitely. It's not impossible. <laughs> we can do it. Yeah. If we can't do it at an individual level, you know, stop arguing with someone and make peace with this person. Because we are able to do that. Yeah. We are able to do it, at, do it at a planetary level. So it will happen. It's in us. We have the ability to get on all together. You know, it, it's going to come. So I do not have a date, precise date. Yeah. It will depend on humans in the next 10 years, hopefully. Possible, definitely. Yeah, I like, like to hear the word possible. <laughs> um, Anything is possible anything's possible of course going, going back to your books i'm currently reading resilience at the moment and uh fascinating um storyline and in terms of uh the story itself you've mentioned that it's part fiction and part reality as in actual experiences can you um give some information and to what degree this is actually actual experiences yes i wrote resilience uh when i was in the process of remembering my uh, abductions and um, so this book first started before I wrote The Gift from the Stars. It helped me remember um, 
my abduction. So there's a character character in the book. Her name is Sarah, a young girl. Uh, all her abduction story is based on my abduction story. So okay. anything, everything that she goes through, I went through. So then that's, um, I put this story on hold when I started to write a gift from the stars and start to download, not download. I don't like, I hate this word. Okay. I didn't, don't do that. Uh, it's very dangerous. Uh, uh, to uh, receive information via my, my device, um, telepathically, you can say, uh, about all these new races and, and all, the, all the truth. Who are the extraterrestrials? Who are these groups? So, then I wrote a gift from the stars. And then when it was published, I thought, oh, I should finish Resilience because it started as a sci-fi novel. But I had written Resilience like two thirds of it and it was all wrong. <laughs> well, okay. the, 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 the abduction experience was, was right, inspired from a true story. So it can happen to anyone. Mm -hmm. But then all the exopolitics, you know, the, the it was wrong. So um, uh, it wasn't reflecting the truth finally. and I, I went, I'm not going to rewrite the whole book. I'm just going to finish it and try to stick in anything that I know I've learned in the meantime, you know? So I try to replace and stick um, like names of races, uh, change a little bit as much as I could without having to rewrite the whole story. So Resilience is a sci-fi novel based on the true experience of abduction which goes totally fantastic and sci-fi. Um, <laughs> and there is elements that have, have been incorporated, which are truth. So uh, you can, if you have read A Gift from the Stars before, you will recognize the, what resonates in it. But take it as like, a, don't take it like a documentary or take it as, a fun, as fun. Resilience, it's fun, it's romantic, it's adventures and it's just for fun sci-fi book you know just sci-fi for yeah. fun and would you uh care to talk a little bit about your recent book uh, we will never let you down oh yes um thank you uh we will never let you down i i uh, published it in september 2021 uh yeah uh it was about it's the following follow-up of my um my stories and my adventures, you know, my contact with Thoran and other persons, what what just gave me the, the impulse to write it was my encounter with a person named Val Thor. He is a famous um, ET, and I was mm -hmm. very impressed, very uh, emotionally shocked. You know, when you meet someone important, you're always like impressed. You know, like oh my god, and I decided to write a book. Of, talking about him and then I, I stuck in it all the rest all, all my other experiences in it so uh, that's what we will never let you down is about my encounters with Val Thor and my adventures yeah in space. this is the visitor at the White House yes yes yeah. and um maybe we might want to talk a little bit about that that when was that that was in the was in the 50s or so when uh, yes in the late 50s 57 that's right. And this was a time when I think we were still trying to uh, wrestle with getting, you know, contact started and get peace in the, in the world. Yes, uh, it was a critical 
critical um, moment for humanity. Uh, that's when all these ET contacts happened with the governments because uh, we just activated uh, the atomic bomb and uh, that wasn't good. Uh, we were about to blow, blow ourselves up and destroy the planet. It was, it was horrible. So the Galactic Federation of Worlds has always kept an eye on that. The, disabling uh, the nuclear devices all the time trying to avoid as much as they could that we just kill mm -hmm. ourselves you know humans can be quite uh, stupid when they react without thinking you know <laughs> moved by war and stuff well yes the valthor was here to assert and just set once and for good cooperation programs with the u.s navy and the pentagon for technology exchange because we couldn't get back and rescind the agreements that the MJ-12 had made with the Greys. So we were going to be trained to defend ourselves, mm -hmm. you know? So that was the start of the secret space programs. Mm -hmm. in the, it, it started in the early 1950s. And um, uh, especially the Alpha Centaurians were very involved in that. Um, Pleiadians as well, but most uh, Alpha Centaurians. And uh, this program was started. It gave a fleet later uh, known as Solar Warden, which is still in action. It was the start of a very start of the Starfleet we have now. It's called Artemis. <laughs> yeah, the Artemis Accords. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for that. <laughs> and uh, you, did you say um, before uh, we joined that you're also writing a, another book at the moment? Yes, I am writing another book at the moment because um, I always think I'm going to stop and make children books, but that's not going to happen ever with them upstairs. <laughs> yes, I'm, I was put in contact with amazing people, the, the Intergalactic Confederation. They are above the Galactic Federation. They are a union of different galactic uh, uh, structures. Well, the cedars, that's them, the, or the founders, there are 24 cultures among them who have made an alliance to help life to spread throughout the universe. And they, they came back into our star system in October 2021. And they are now to, here to watch humanity graduate into a new, uh, new level, and it's quite exciting. They will. Uh, they are in charge of um, basically first contact, although it will be people from the Galactic Federation of this galaxy who will con make civilian contact. You need to uh, to keep in mind that um, when we talk about first contact, it's civilian contact, okay? Because we have contact since a long time. You know, and officially, even the 1940s, uh, when late 1940s and early 1950s, when uh, all these programs of cooperation started with our governments. So we are first contact already has happened since a long time. We are now talking about civilian open contact. That's what we're talking about. Okay. So uh, yeah, I've, I've written about that. I'm writing about that, about. Um, a collective of supra plasmic supra consciousnesses, which is called the nine, who came. Well, they didn't come back. They are always 
there behind the void, omnipresent, everywhere and nowhere at the same time. The, the intergalactic confederation, the cedars, relate to them as a higher management. Mm -hmm. So with them back, the nine was uh, connecting again, and I had I was put in contact with them. And I write about that too. It's quite mind-blowing, mind-blowing. It is so totally, that's yeah. What it is about. I'm trying to um, understand that this nine I've heard it they exist within the void. Yes. Is that right? And they are are they a high are they a consciousness that exists extended to the point that they now exist in, in the void and they can sort of manage multi-dimensional reality in a way? Yes, yes. They are multi-dimensional. They 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 can exist in many dimensions, in all dimensions at the time, they actually do. Mm -hmm. you know uh, i would say they are the next thing after source they are they're quite mysterious okay. um the consciousness is one consciousness split in nine um individuated consciousness but they all make one together um they yeah i don't know that's the best <laughs> way i can explain it Okay. Yes. But it's, but I imagine source is still at the at the top. Yes. Okay. So this is individuation of of consciousness. Um, yes. The first sort of nine was it ever eight, seven, six? Do you know? I don't know. No, because <laughs> nine nine is you know the universe is geometry and mathematics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nine represents the infinite. It's three times three. Three being. Um, uh, dynamic uh, number at the origin of a, a lot of um, elements in the universe mm -hmm. three times three means multiplicity that's why it's number nine there are nine individuated consciousness but they represent a multitude in their number nine because the universe is a formidable mathematical equation mm -hmm. and uh, that that's it's it's quite mind blowing the yes. amount of mathematics, uh, yeah. sort of, you know, the golden ratio and mm -hmm. everything that's it's everywhere. Um, just yeah, <laughs> trying to comprehend that is <laughs> it's, it's hard enough, but it it's it's something that I'm I'm trying to get my head around, and my logical brain just can't comprehend it in a way the way that everything is built by 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 numbers in in it. It kind of makes sense, but at the same time, there's there's a, there's an aspect where it doesn't make sense as, as well. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, it's it just you take a, a a pencil. If you want to um, to recreate this pencil in a three D printer, um, it will have an equation, a, a geometrical equation, three D mm. equation, mathematical equation, that will be just proper to this pencil. And so that's one. And imagine the whole universe mm -hmm. encompasses all the mathematical equations of anything, a grain of sand, a flower, pencil, a human yeah. being, anything. And that, that, that makes a whole global equation. That yeah. is, we, the, the, the human mind, uh, 3D biological monkey mind yeah. cannot comprehend it. But mm -hmm. if you want to have a perception of this, get out of your body, ascend into your consciousness throughout meditation, reaches your higher self state of being, and you may see it. Yes. 
it's it's um it's just fascinating sometimes um i was going to ask actually have you ever taken plant medicine taking what plant medicine things Plants like medicine. I, yeah dmt ayahuasca or or these things or drugs no, yeah. no, <laughs> no 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 this no, is I, I, it's not the, the okay um these um, artificial ways of uh, accessing other states of consciousness is, are dangerous because when you do that, you're vulnerable to a psychic attacks, okay? Mm-hmm. Only do that if you're a skilled shaman mm-hmm. and you want to journey. I am a shaman. I have uh, experimented, learned about taking plants such as mugwort and wormwood which mm-hmm. are traditional plants, to reach a higher state of consciousness quicker. I realized that it, you, I didn't need that because I can do it myself. And the purpose of the evolution is that we are, we find out how to do it ourselves without any drugs, you know. That's, uh, so I will never, ever do drugs because anything even with alcohol i like my glass of wine sometimes but just with food and i keep my mind focused you know and yeah. grounded never 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 try that it's dangerous you can be hacked by ai by entities it's, okay don't do that i <laughs> no. advise anyone to do that the, the reason i mentioned it is because i i've heard people who have taken it talked about seeing the geometry of the universe in, in those higher states it kind of links back to the geometry and seeing, oh yeah so yeah, it works yes yeah oh yeah no it it, it, it works sometimes uh, these people were lucky um i hope they they, they didn't get uh, bothered by any entity they were well protected it, yes it, it can work of course but mm-hmm. um you know we can do that without drugs mm-hmm. that's the point yeah. you know uh it's like taking a car when you can walk yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, we, we'll touch on that a bit later. Um, but I wonder if I could come back to talking about your communication with Thorhan. And so you, did you say earlier that you have an implant in you that, um, that allows you to communicate with Thorhan? Right. Yes, this, this implant was put uh, in my body when I was nine. And um, okay. it cannot be removed because it's not in this density plane. So okay. um, cannot be hacked as well because it's a high frequency and now it's uh, tuned within on military frequencies of the, the galactic federation so um it's uh, quite secure i've always been in contact with them normally this implant was to monitor me and it, they upgraded it when i was 18 to be able to communicate with me okay. and um you know so and that was this with yeah. your consent or when you're 18 yes yes mm-hmm. yes 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 Yes, always with consent. They always ask before. Sure. And the, the technology behind it, you said it's um, of, uh, it talks in higher frequencies. Is this right? But is it is it quantum technology or? Is yes. It some, yeah. It's quantum technology. Uh, we, we are about to get that on Earth with quantum Internet, mm-hmm. uh, with the Starlink satellites are meant to um, give us this technology. So the bye bye EMF, bye bye deep state EMF. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it's quantum technology. That means quantum um, um, technology, yes, communication. That means it's not cannot be hacked. And uh, I can be in contact with Thoron as clearly as 
when he's like on the on the mothership or in the Pleiades or wherever else. Yeah. Because you it's know, non, is it non-local the communication? Yes. Yeah. And it's not linear. You know, the the the, the information doesn't travel from point to the other. Yeah. It's just in resonance. Uh, I think um, a good example. I, I don't know if this is is the same, but. I was listening to Dan Winter talk to you uh, recently and he, um, much of it goes over my head, but what he did mention is about how um, information travels in a, in a longitudinal fashion versus, so um, if you can imagine if it's traveling you know, trans transverse fast and it takes time and, and maybe that's governed by the speed of light, but in a longitudinal fashion, it's like the Newton's balls when one ball hits one end, the other end springs up straight away and it's the same idea that the information has got from one end to the other almost instantaneously well, instantaneously in the way that the the information travels yeah. I, I, yeah is that is that kind of how it it works in a way um yes it, it's it's it can be described like this and in way if you go more into um a deeper um understanding of it it's quantum entanglement yeah mm -hmm. Or, um, and this know. is where you've got uh, two atoms that when one shifts, the other one shifts instantaneously because yes, that's it. That's it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it's something that's, that's going to be coming this way in terms of, and you've been used heavily for communication. It's quite yes. exciting. Yes. I can't wait. <laughs> so uh, how do you, how do you initiate contact with Thorhan? Do you kind of, what, what, what do you do? <laughs> okay. It's an electrical impulse that I need to send to the implant to send, uh, to activate it, to send a signal and open the, 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 the channel, not the, not the channel, the, co the communication. I don't like channel as well, this word. Well, um, I gather my, um, by um, exercise, I gather my energy in my body, my electrical energy, and I send it, I redirect it, focus it to where the implant is, and I pulse it until I hear click and static noise that's open okay so, that's so could you hypothetically do it right now if we were to ask you in terms of audit so is it something you need to prepare for and be in a in no the, I can do it a, now yeah I could do it now but uh you know of course uh, okay um, I would hear stuff in my head and it would be a bit difficult to hear you and to, to, to communicate. So I, I won't do it. No, no problem. So, um, so how, how does, say what's up? <laughs> yeah. How, how does Thorhan sound? Does he, do you hear his voice clearly or do you have like, is it kind of your own inner, inner monologue that you're hearing when you're listening? Oh, no, it? no. It's a, it's a communication. It's a yeah. real communication. Like so I hear phone. his voice. Yeah. Yes. We decide the, the language. Uh, I want to hear the message. So sometimes he speaks in my maternal language, French. Sometimes he speaks in English. I've asked him to speak to me rather in English because most of the time I transcript what he says to me. So if he says it directly in English, it's easier for me to write it down in English mm -hmm. directly, you know, than yeah. having to translate it. So he's, we decided uh, he speaks in English to me. But is he speaking in his own language and then there's some sort of translation going on in between or does he know... English, French, and all these other languages. So this could this could work. Um, I've been in contact with other beings. He put me in contact with who don't speak Earth languages. They were speaking their own languages, and my uh, my implant was working as translator. Mm -hmm. And so in this case, I would hear in the background the person talking in their language, and on the top of it, a translation 
uh, in English, but it would be a robotic voice, like an uh, you know, like robot voice that I hear. Okay. The translation. A bit like Stephen Hawking, that kind of voice. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Totally. That that's it. Okay. <laughs> And uh, do you ever try to communicate with him? And he says, no, sorry, bad time or oh, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Totally. And same as well. I'm a, no shower. Sorry. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. So what, what's yes, day yes. to day life like for Thoran? Is he, is it quite similar to ours? Is he, because I imagine he's on a, sh a ship right now. Do they have um, days like we do um, with, does he have sleep patterns or is it quite, quite different? So there is no uh, rhythm of day and night on on, on a spaceship. Uh, it's just the the, the crew are uh, continuing their uh, day and night cycle personally, regarding to what world they come from. Because uh, being born on a specific world, your body is in tune, your organism is in tune with the cycles of day and night of mm -hmm. the planet you are born with. So it's healthy to continue to try to keep this rhythm for yourself mm -hmm. uh, because you know it's like the when you travel you 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 need to change time and you're sick and you're not well well you know they don't they keep, they try to keep their rhythm of uh, earth planet mother planet so thorhan uh, has uh, longer days and longer nights than me um so that that uh, actually short about the same nights but the days are longer yes he sleeps less. Days are longer, like uh, one and a half time than okay. more than our day. So, so what's his, his home world called? Era. It's in the Ashara uh, system in the Pleiades. Okay. I call it Taigeta, but it's Ashara. Okay. And is it, is it a world similar to ours in terms of size or is it much bigger? I guess in terms of, you said the day length, so it might be a bigger world, is it? It's a bigger planet. Uh, it's a... Uh, once again, it's funny because it's about uh, one time and a half bigger than Earth. That's, that's you know, and it's funny because the days are, I don't know if it corresponds to that because, you know, uh, it depends on the rotation, the yeah. speed of rotation. So, uh, which are different uh, regarding to the, where the orbit is. Sure. Um, yeah, but, and, and they have um, a double star systems. So, uh, also that plays you know um so you have the, the days are different intensity or different lengths but more or less one time and a half and more than earth okay does he have a, a single star or binary star system binary star system binary, binary star. star system okay and you mentioned about sleep patterns i imagine it's quite difficult to keep that going without the natural sunlight of your star coming through how, how does that how do they cope with that so uh, on a spaceship, on a mothership, they have uh, different uh, sections where people with the same kind of environment are regrouped to live together. So uh, he's uh, he's with other, he lives with other races in the, in a section where other races are based on the same conditions of light, atmosphere, uh, pressure, and also they have. Um, regarding to uh, different people the gravity is different so uh, from on, on their own world right. you know which yeah. is quite common you, you rarely rarely have two planets with the same gravity ratio so they have a special uh, in their boots in their shoes they have uh, the sole of the shoes 
uh, they are adapted to a certain gravity. So it compensates to uh, regulate the, the uh, homeworld gravity. Yeah. Uh, so that's all and with the shoes. I imagine it's also the case for air pressure as well. Is that right? For, for sorry? For the pressure, air the pressure. pressure, yes. Yeah. Uh, the air, yeah, the air pressure they have, um, it it it's it's all right. Uh, they they live about in the same atmosphere by by species by you know by um mm. the way they, they, their composition is, but when the, there's a, too much of a different difference of pressure, they wear either uh, smart suits or either uh, belts that mm. will regulate. Usually, they rather wear the belts because they can wear other clothes. The belts will regulate the pressure, regulate the pressure in the common areas, and also the, the air. But then they go to their quarters and they can remove the belts because their personal living quarters will be uh, adapted to their own uh, environment. And do they uh, eat together with this people from the same world at, diff at, at the same time because of their maybe three meals a day people? I don't know. <laughs> I um, let me think about that. Um, Thoran, I know, I think he eats once a day, once, or, once a day has a meal, and then I've seen him, like, um, nibbling a bit, like, energy bars sometimes, it's funny, okay. um, and they have this, um, um, like, smoothies, it's all smoothies, it's like uh, energy drinks, mm -hmm. they, they, they do that, but they yeah. have one meal a day. Um, I don't know exactly how everybody's doing, but there are cafeterias uh, on the ship you can go. The officers have their own kitchen if they want with a replicator. They can even cook if they want. Um, it's quite a... I imagine well, they'd be more healthy than here. There won't be a McDonald's or a Starbucks. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. They, so they grow their own food. They grow their own vegetables so mm -hmm. they can eat it if they want. Um, otherwise, for the laziest ones, there's a food replicators, and that's another story because it's not natural, it's synthetic food, but it has all the components. It's healthy. Mm -hmm. It's healthy, believe it or not. It gives you the proteins that you need. So you're going to go to the food replicator and you put your hand and they or your finger for some of them, and they're gonna they're gonna calculate the proteins that the minerals that you need, mm -hmm. and they with that and you you press the, the food you want um and you will get a mush going from a tap <laughs> and uh, it looks quite disgusting but in fact it tastes what you select okay <laughs> and also you know when you put your finger it's also your, all your race and species so the selection will be regarding to what your species eats yeah so it will taste the same you have the corresponding minerals and proteins it's uh mm -hmm. it's quite interesting i've tasted these things uh tastes good actually it looks horrible but it takes taste good okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah i imagine um they have a whole multitude of vegetables that we're not aware of and various plants um yeah Th their intestines have enzymes you know we don't have and vice versa so they can't eat our food okay yeah, or, you, or maybe they can replicate it or try and get the taste right, but maybe not eat, eat it directly. Or They could, I suppose they can. Yeah, I suppose they yeah. can. I know Thorhan once ate, uh, it was cabbage or cauliflower. cauliflower. He was sick, nearly died. Oh, really? <laughs> <It> was stupid. 
didn't have enough cheese on it maybe <laughs> um when when talking about um uh, why uh, the we haven't had as you say civilian contact yet mm -hmm. um it's been mentioned quite a lot about the prime directive uh could you talk a little bit about that and possibly why that explains why we have not had the civilian disclosure yet at what the part it plays yes the prime directive uh, has been created uh, put in place because it was needed to bring a little bit of uh, balance in this galaxy uh, because there was chaos the, the, the orion nebu were attacking everyone the sikars are attacking everyone the corporates different corporates uh, corporate groups were trying to just do the same so that that started to to be enough something had to be done to put a set of law um, and everyone bound to it and to bound everyone to a set of laws uh, although you don't belong to the same organizations you need to use universal laws mm -hmm. and put the universal laws into uh, a text and and a set of laws you know uh, that are applicable and that you're not you're all bound to it so the universal uh, law of evolution universal law of evolution the whole universe is concerned by it and goes by it um, it's free will it's allowing an organism a culture a species planet to make their own choices because it is by making your own choices that you evolve hmm. if someone takes decision for you you will not evolve and you will even be enslaved and bound to depend on these ones who decide for you so that's not the thing if someone saves you you will never develop the skills to defend yourself and your intelligence you will not never develop your intelligence and your you know your instinct and everything so the law of evolution in the greater perspective of the universe is to struggle by yourself to evolve now that apart that's one thing now also all life needs to be pr protected doesn't need to but it's 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 nice to try to protect all life that's what the federation does so in order to protect all life without interfering in their evolution that's the trick you will not alter the evolution of a species but you will protect them indirectly behind the scenes without them knowing anything that's what they're doing and that's the prime directive yeah. do not make yourselves known but do whatever you can to keep these guys alive that they can process their evolution mm -hmm. so that's the prime directive yeah i'm imagining it's like parents in the playground letting their kids uh, run amok but yes. just making sure they, they don't injure themselves and that's it that's it that's <laughs> yeah. the parent who is going to uh allow Obviously the kids the to play with I'm matches <laughs> and you know because mm -hmm. the kid will never learn that fire burns and uh, then you know to develop intelligence and mm -hmm. you need to fall to understand that you, you need to run uh wisely you know, kind of yeah. thing yeah so, and that's the prime directive are we a, a are we stage two is that right 
or type stage two, two transitioning three because we already right. have contact with extraterrestrials since the, nine, the 1940s officially okay. we already have we have space programs i mean uh, we already stage three indirectly mm -hmm. but uh, so that's why we are transitioning says we are stage two transitioning so maybe we're three. describing what stage two and three are okay stage stage two is a civilization that is able to um, um, go, well, that has attained a certain stage of a spiritual evolution and evolution of consciousness, that they are able to leave their planet and go to space. And um, that's it. Stage three, it's being in contact with extraterrestrials, having a stage three is sorry, stage three is being able to leave your star system, not mm -hmm. anymore your planet, that's stage two, your star system and make contact by yourself, go towards contact with other extraterrestrials. Mm -hmm. That's stage three. So we are in, the stage three won't happen for us like this because we're already in contact. So we are transitioning to stage three in the way that us being in contact already with extraterrestrials and us able to go out of our star system is going to be made public. That's, yeah. that's the difference. So are, are there stage two civilizations out there that, that, that are fully aware of other worlds? Um, or is it is it mainly that stage two tend to be quite unaware? Mm, they can be aware, Yeah, but no contact, no official civilian contact. Yes. Mm -hmm. Contact makes it stage three, but it must not be contact by invasion, you know, contact that you make by yourself. The thing is, we've been invaded since uh, like 300,000 years BC. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And who invaded us? Actually, just talk a bit more on that. Is, is this, was this the sea car? Or was this an app? Uh, yeah, free... the Sikars came first, the Naga Sikars, and then you had the Patal, the Intergalactic Confederation, and then you had the Anunnaki, and then you had a whole set of different colonies. Uh, and then the Nebu, were they working with? And the, the Nebu, they came uh, a little bit later. Um, and they came back uh, in the 1940s. The Sikar, the Nebu, just come and went. Because in the middle, they were kicked, kicked out, came back, kicked out, came back. You know, there were wars. There's been wars in this system. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, you've mentioned the Lion Wars before on previous on mm -hmm. your channel. And then and the Orion Wars. But these are, these are separate wars. Yes. Uh, yeah. It wasn't happening there. But we, ha we got the refugees here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be fascinating when we get to really discover just how... how how amazing, well, not amazing, the, how broad the, the amount of uh, information and all the stories and everything that's been happening. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's not just a bunch of rocks out there and comets and stars. It's, <laughs> there's, there's a lot, there's been a lot going on. Mm. Um, yes. I would like to talk a little bit now about um, what we people call uh, dimensions or densities of consciousness. Uh, I hear a lot of 3D to 5D. Um, how would you describe these different densities? Okay, imagine um, a town 
with buildings, skyscrapers. Okay. The town is the universe. Every skyscraper, every building is a dimension. Okay. Um, in the same universe, you have different dimensions existing at the same time, but who which occupy different spaces in the fabric of space-time. Each dimension, so each building, has different level, different heights. Okay. Imagine every floor in one building is a density of matter. So you are on the ground floor, you evolve in consciousness, you are going to vibrate faster. You are on the first floor and you evolve again and you are second floor, second density, third density, fourth density. You arrive on the roof, you see the landscape, you see the bigger picture that's you're in contact with source. Mm -hmm. So every building has a different number of densities, but mm -hmm. at the top, it's always source. So for instance, our, our um, dimension has 12 densities of matter and the thir number 13th is the roof, you see source. Mm -hmm. Some other dimension will have only seven and the eighth will be source, for instance, or more. That's how it works. I okay. So when you say that there's thirteen, is that is that Earth or is that our universe? Um, our dimension. Our dimension. A dimension is a universe. Is a parallel universe. Yeah. Okay. It's all imbricated in one another. Parallel okay. universes. And we're existing on the third sort of floor, as you say, and we're moving. Third density of matter. Our third yes. density of matter, and moving to fourth and fifth right yes. so the fourth is kind of like a bridge to the fifth yes 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 and where is uh, Thohan on this he's in the fifth density okay so and, and, and the people that are working with him they're on the same density going back to the yes ship. so they have um, the these belts mm -hmm. you know they, they wear also uh, regulate the density so when they work with Earth, they, they are in the third density because they wear these belts. They rescued me because they were uh, they, they, they were in the third density with their um, you know, technology. So they can be in any density they, they decide to with their technology. But okay. um, yeah. But is it, when is they it interact quite with tough us, for them to exist in the third density? Is it quite dense? Yeah, uh, they don't stay long. <laughs> they don't stay long, yes. Yeah, if you like, you know, moving probably quite like, toxic. Yes, heavy thing. Yeah, heavy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, on your channel, you mentioned a lot about uh, these arcs that have been activated and are all around. Uh, can you talk a bit about those? And is there is there any way to actually prove their existence beyond what we've heard from the likes of Michael Sallow and and, and his contacts? I think you can go, if you want some proof, you can um, go through all the documentation left by the historians of antiquity. You have Herodotus, you have uh, other, uh, so many of them, who have testified of holes of records, of arcs. You have also these in many mythologies. If you start to do your researches, into history and archaeology, and uh, especially the historians of the antiquity, you will find all these references to these ancient technologies 
uh, buried under the earth that are older than um, the the official history. Can we add Noah's Ark to that list, or is that a separate thing? Yes, yes. So Noah's Ark, and Noah is um, a re remaining remaining a legend. It's been taking. Sorry, I don't have the right words in front in English. It's a uh, Noah's Ark story has been taken from the story of Utnapishtim mm -hmm. in Mesopotamia. Yeah. That's the real story. When there was a flood on earth and Enki, uh, who was an Anunnaki um, uh, high-grade person, mm -hmm. helped uh, Utnapishtim to uh, gather together the DNA of different species and uh, they made it on an ark. And so Noah's Ark, yes, is the remnant of the Utnapishtim um, Anunnaki story. Okay. But uh, the, these arcs that we're, that are activating now, uh, what's the significance of them and, and how do they relate? I guess you to have, the same idea. So the arcs, you have two different things. You have arcs, spaceship, space arcs, and holes of records, as we call it. Now it's the official name. Space arcs are spaceships who uh, have carried people to come here, like colonies, for instance, or visitors. The ships stayed there, and at the time they built cities around the ships. This ship, many ships are still there, and they they have all this technology inside. So these are the arcs, and inside they contain also many of them a library of their, the DNA of their world. Because, you know, when you leave your world on an arc, space arc, going to find another planet, you bring with you all you can, uh, all the library of your world, all the, the archives, you know, the culture, DNA, the technology, everything, the people, <laughs> anything you can. And that arrives on Earth. And when you go in these arcs, you have access to all these usually it's holographic technology so you can tune into it and know about all these these different extraterrestrial worlds and technologies mm -hmm. that's a space arc now holes of records often are built not far from these arcs um, they are underground caves carved you have plenty under Giza, there's a big one. You have the Pusaj Mountain. You have many other places. Mount Kailash in Tibet. You have um, South America, uh, Ukraine. There's a, no, Ukraine space arcs, not the mm. Hall of Records. You have uh, any place, many places. And it more or less the same thing, except it's not a ship. It's just a facility, underground facility. It has all technologies from um, either extraterrestrials, but Holes of record are more about um, keeping the data and the archives of civilizations that have lived on Earth and that have come to an end, you know. So it's more about ancient civilizations knowledge, which is often linked with extraterrestrial technology. So that's the holes of record. So that's the difference with the space arc. Sure. Have you, have you been to a Halls of Records? Yes. Yeah. Yes, under the Giza uh, Plateau. Yes, physically in 3D. And then I've been there by uh, teleportation from the ship, from a torrent ship with him. 
and uh, that was quite amazing yes and, and the uh, these halls of records that are uh, are activating are they all records of earth's past or the records of past for other colonies other civilizations out there so interestingly the the halls of records under the giza plateau is a gathering of an ancient civilization and this ancient civilization was a, a set of different colonies of extraterrestrials so you have et technology mm-hmm. and they're there that's interesting yeah, is it predominantly the cedars? The cedars and the cedars, you know, uh, they had a colony on Earth, which was Atlantis. And it's Atlantis that is uh, Atlantis technology that's been brought under the Sphinx. There are mm-hmm. other things under the Sphinx, but I know the halls of record that I visited. It's the Atlantis technology. Uh, Atlantis was, um, as I say, a compound of different colonies, but founded by the cedars, uh, the Altian people, actually. Mm-hmm. And then, and that's when um, supposedly there was this flood. Yes. After. The, yeah, the, Atlantis didn't didn't disappear in uh, exactly in one day and one night, as Plato says. Uh, it it was at the end of the last ice age, when the the levels of the seas were rising, and at the same time there was, um, so it went progressively, until the last moment. You know, there's always a last moment when. That's it. That's the end. And that's very quick. So that's what Plato describes. But as well, the continent of Atlantis was on the rift, the Atlantic rift. So it, it you know, the, the, the plates go apart, separate. You know, America and Africa are going away constantly. So the continent of Atlantis was collapsing, collapsing, collapsing the, the floor, you know. And so they were both. So that how, that's how they went, but it, it took a certain amount of time. That's why the elders had the time to go and save the, the knowledge anywhere else in the world. Um, I don't know if we could talk a little bit about uh, your recent chats with Michael Sala and Jean-Charles Moyen as well. Um, yes. Fascinating I've, that I, uh, when I heard that recently and it, you, you describe how you had an experience in the astral and you met Jean Charles and he had the same experience. So can you describe that? <laughs> In fact, we we thought first it was astral, but it wasn't. We were physically teleported. Okay. Um, because the experience were physic, physically, physical. Mm. And he was tele- we were both teleported in the hills in Ireland behind where I live. And from there, uh, Thorhan sent a scout ship we both saw this scout ship coming out of the cloud and we were beamed on board and the scout ship took us to the Excelsior, the mothership. And from there we were taken, um, teleported to Antarctica. Mm-hmm. And that was quite um, a funny story. I, uh, funny for me, it was very impressive for Jean-Charles, yeah. but uh, he's used to be teleported, but was was impressive for him. Well, I'd say I was impressed as well. It's the going under the Lake Vostok. And he met uh, Thoran on board the ship. And he hadn't met him before. And the way he described him, it was it was cool because it's exactly how he is. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, that was incredible. Yeah. I, I recommend people to, to listen to that. But what's incredible is how both of you described the event separately and sent it to this uh, Michael Sala as a, as a intermediary uh, at the same time. And... Uh, you describe how much of that corroborates that, that story. 
Yes, uh, now, you know, when Jean-Charles uh, writes to me, said, oh, you need to sit down. Something happened to me. I said, don't tell anything. Write to Michael mm -hmm. <laughs> first. That was yeah. we, what we do now. We, and we tell afterwards. Then Michael received the emails, you know, in, in the same time. It's cool. Um, we had another experience with Jean-Charles. Uh, uh, recently, I was teleported to the, the Halls of Records under the Sphinx, and he was too, but not in the Halls of Record. He was teleported in the Space Arc under Giza Plateau, which is a little bit further, mm -hmm. um, and by his uh, friend and brother, um, Victor. And uh, we were in the same area, not far from each other that night, and that was quite impressive. Um, yeah, and he managed to... So, so you saw him, and then you kind of found out through I Michael again. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I didn't see him that night under Giza. I didn't even. We didn't okay. know that each other. We were there because we were in different places under Giza. He was in the space arc. I was in the Hall of Records. That's always where I go. And um, he, he did. We didn't know. Otherwise, we would have come and met each <laughs> other, you know. And we discovered that afterwards. It was quite uh, mind, mind blowing. Have you ever had that before? Or is this no. quite no <laughs> with this quite someone recent. else no it's yeah. quite recent usually i go on my own and uh yeah but in terms of meeting someone else uh another earth being <laughs> oh yes uh another earth being that sees the same person mm -hmm. as i see and goes to the same place no um jean charles is the first okay and and this uh i was going to ask actually about how we're going to meet and communicate with our ET friends. Would it, I was going to ask if it was going to be a lot in the astral, but I, I guess you've just said that it was quite a physical experience. So I imagine um, our meetings don't have to be in the astral. This kind of we don't have to, uh, you know, go into a higher state of consciousness and, and no, it's astral. <laughs> astral, astral is different. Astral is the the soul that leaves the body. Mm -hmm. Uh, a diff being in a different density is you're still in your body but the body the rate of vibration between your biological physical atoms are faster or lower you change shift density but you stay in your body so that's how the contact is done by shifting the rate of vibrations of your atoms when they have these belts that uh, everyone is has the same density everywhere Oops. Um, and um, I'm Mediterranean I my hands i was born in marseille so <laughs> yeah. i uh, kind of a bit of you know no problem <laughs> um so the it will be physical contact yes yeah because i know a lot of people who are, are, are awakening right now are, are trying to open their third eye and get into remote viewing and and working in the astral but would, the, would these dangerous. things are oh god no, no. Remote viewing is dangerous. You know, uh, you need to really uh, uh, have a good, um, um, healthy uh, procedure, scientific procedure. You know, um, I know, I know the Farsight Institute has a very scientific procedure. You mm -hmm. can uh, see on their website they, they teach people that that's um, that's a good thing. But be careful. Uh, you know, um, there's so many AI roaming around and mm -hmm. entities. You know. Um, I had a friend, Stephen Chow, who worked in Area 51, and he was aware of a lot of technologies. And about remote viewing, he said to me once, he said, 
be careful because if you see them, they see you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that was the end of me trying to try <laughs> remote viewing. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Don't try. Yeah, it's difficult. Um, yeah, I, I would advise people to go on the Parasite website. They have a, they're quite good uh, with um, the, the procedure. Yeah. And then the Monroe Institute, would you say that they, another one that you'd say is recommended, I'm going to try and get them on this podcast at some point. So the Monroe Institute. No, sorry? Monroe, Robert Monroe. Oh, yes, yes. I've yeah. heard about that. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, I don't know about really, but uh, I okay. heard all only good about it. Yes. Sure. Uh, can you talk briefly about what happened with uh, Megan Rose? I think this was um, towards the end of last year. Uh, I'd heard a couple of conversations that you had with Megan Rose and she didn't seem like someone that was working for the dark, but it, it transpired that there was something going on there. Yes, we, we've all been uh, fooled by, uh, by this, uh, this story. I made a statement mm-hmm. in January um, 22, which is accessible on my website. It's called uh, Protecting the Truth. Well, what happened, you know, it happened with a lot of people. Um, she was effectively rescued by the same team as I was. But um, that, so that was a fact that was confirmed. But the thing is that she had received the programming. She was uh, one of these many, many children abducted and who receive, you know, uh, mind programming. And at the right time, these mind programmings are activated and there is no device involved. That's why you cannot uh, notice anything. You can scan the person, you will never see any device because it's like hypnosis. It's a mind conditioning. So when, you know, you can tell, condition someone and say to him that, at that time, at moment in time, you will have to connect with this person. And at this moment in time, uh, the, the program will activate and you will start to say this and this and this and do that. That's how it works. And you cannot see that because, it, you know, it's like, you know, uh, there's no device, there's nothing. So nobody knew about that. Even the, the Federation couldn't scan it until... Uh, she started to, to show signs uh, that I had uh, warnings, you know, uh, oh, she's not, she's not saying something that we told her, be careful. And one day, that day, that was the same day, uh, Thorhan told me, be careful, be very careful, uh, do not t- give her any more information, I cannot tell you more. And I was compartmentalized from the information because that's how military structures do. They don't tell you, you know, uh, straight away what it is about they, they, to my, for my protection. Um, and uh, that same day, I received a phone call of Alex Collier, who told me he had a, a warning from Morinay that um, she was compromised and um, we need to, to cut her. And what I learned later is that, uh, yeah, she had received one of these programs when she was... Uh, you know, um, abducted. So it was very difficult, very, very hard. So we tried to help her, myself uh, and other persons I won't name. We mailed her, we tried to tell her, hey, you have that, uh, we want to help you, uh, you know, st- stop doing this and uh, we, we are here to help you. And I mean, the programming was there, she just 
told us to basically, you know what? So, um, and playing victim. So that's what happened. And it, it was very disheartening for, for me, for because, you know, when someone you trust, it's, it's not a betrayal. It's like, you know, um, she's a victim. So um, the, the real Valnek, the, the person who she was in contact with, was straightly cut from her. Her implant deactivated, and um, he's now uh, reassigned to another star system for to protect his integrity. So, the thing she's in contact, she thinks she's in contact with, is probably a bad AI or reptilian entity or something like that. And um, there's nothing more that the Federation and ourselves can do for her because you know it's with the consent. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to cut her, and you know my job is to protect the truth. I don't care about my ego, whatever. If I'm told I'm, I'm an old grumpy woman, you know, <laughs> jealous of a younger one. I don't care uh, what people think. I just needed to protect the truth and follow orders and move on. You know. Mm-hmm. Sure. And and on a similar vein, uh, recently we I heard um, about a cosmic agency and a ghost share. Someone I I've also listen to quite a bit and this is this is a person who's managed to get contact with Tigetans and Swaruvians um, now the interesting thing is that most contact seems to happen um, either through telepathy or, or an implant or something but they have this device that they managed to communicate through the internet which is a bit odd um, now I was listening to Goshen. There's, there's some things, aspects of it that's, that resonated with me, but some things that didn't. And recently I heard that the, the Tigetans have been, um, have they separated from the Galactic Federation of Worlds or is it, what, what's, what's going on behind the scenes there? Okay, how much time do you have? <laughs> okay. <laughs> they do not have any device. Nutshell. They do not have any device to connect internet. They... Uh, these people were recruited by someone they met at a UFO conference somewhere, French lady. Um, they gave them um, uh, address. Well, uh, it was a Discord site, this, this uh, conversation uh, on Discord server. Discord okay. server is a gaming server mm-hmm. created and owned by the CIA, they created themselves this server to, as a gaming server, to uh, recruit hackers and little genius in, in, in um, computers. That's why they created this uh, Discord and the name, I never liked the name anyway. And so they were getting their information through a chat on a Discord server. So that was at the start dodgy from the start now what they received they received at the start a lot of good information positive empowering spiritual scientific verifiable information that's always how they do um who they the orion group using the cia and other structures the telling the truth to get the most trust and the most subscribers and followers as you can and then that people trust blindly and transform the narrative and you spread misinformations there have been 
doing that for years, but they have been uncovered because, as I always said, lies never stand the test of time. Mm -hmm. What were they in contact with? Uh, Svaru is an AI, which turned very bad. It's a very nasty one, which is okay. still operational. And many people have been um, in contact with this nasty AI, and it's a very, very bad one. Um, then um, there were uh, extraterrestrials involved. They've been kicked out. There was a ship of uh, Pleiadians from the Alcyon star system, and they were renegade from the, the Taigeta star system. So the story was kind of a bit real, with these Taigetans, um, I always advise people to think the extraterrestrials never call their star systems, their planet themselves, by names invented on Earth. Taigeta was a Greek, Greek muse. Mm -hmm. Okay, the names of the stars that we know, we call them, it's invented on Earth. The extraterrestrials never call themselves like this. And, you know, so that was already something, I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, they are the Ta'al Shi'ar. Ta'al Shi'ar are uh, Ta'al people looking like, like us, like you and I, Caucasians, mm -hmm. who were originally from the Taigeta system, Ashtara, who moved to the Alcyon, Jahaya star system, and uh, became renegades and... Uh, they are fighting the Galactic Federation of Worlds and they will do everything they can to uh, discredit them. The Tal Shiar, uh, Pleiadians, uh, worked with the Nazis of the Fourth Reich in Antarctica. That's been confirmed by other sources, other sources. Okay. Um, and uh, so they, they were in orbit in a ship. The ship has been expelled by the Galactic Federation. That's one when contact was cut with them because they were relaying information and um, well, they were quite angry. And um, yeah, I think everyone knows the story until it developed into it developed into a cult, you know. Uh, I know, I won't say names, but people involved um, in there who can prove that um, they were um, trying to um, kind of enslave by the, in a certain way, men, male, um, members of this i call that a cult by sexually by sending them pornographic pictures uh some people have the documents pornographic pictures representing uh, the alleged svaru or whatever extraterrestrials mm -hmm. very sexy saying privately don't tell anyone else but i'm in love with you and blah 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 to a lot of males and thing is the guys got together <laughs> and spoke and went what the hell you know also, the picture they use, it's porn, porn models, Russian porn models. Uh, one of them is very known. She's Sofia Aliel, and they, it's badly photoshopped. Uh, there's a great connection with Russia. This really weird. Uh, and pornography, uh, these things, and CIA, and uh, stay away. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> a minefield. They're done it? now. People start to talk and testify, so uh, they're done. They're done. Okay. But it is a, a minefield for people who aren't aware of a lot of this, to have, who, to, who to trust, who to discern. And, um, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's difficult um, 
from yeah. my own experience you know so yes. this, this is someone i was listening to so that's what they try to do yeah yeah spread confusion you know then people just switch off from everything mm -hmm. I, I i advise people do they give the real name of the planets and the stars and what is the narrative is it fear-based or is it empowering that's it that's it yeah definitely um when looking back at human history and, and all the, the suffering and, and all the wars and everything that's been going on, it, it, something that's been on my mind is to what extent um, the secrecy has been a part of the plan of the kind of the malevolent ETs versus, as you say, a protection mechanism of, um, of the, of the ben benevolent ETs are kind of, is, there seems to be two ways of looking at it um, the UFO secrecy that's been going on um mm. stopping us from having all the technology and being able to live more harmoniously with the planet seems to be something that's been forced on us by the regressive ets and something that we see as a, a negative side but as we we're talking earlier about how we haven't had contact because we're not not ready yet possibly we are too aggressive consciously we haven't uh, ascended there's these two sides to the equation here. What, what do you see it as, as both playing an in a role? The regressive ZTs have physically been removed from the star system since mm. last year. Um, what remains is the regressive humans who were their minions and who mm -hmm. continue to try to get their agendas going as long as they can because they are over. It's uh, finished. So that's what's happening. The during the past, all the contacts, civilian contacts, most of them, and public appearance of UFOs were the regressives ones, the malevolent ones, because they don't abide, they don't like to abide by the law of uh, the prime directive, you know, so anything that was interfering, it was coming from um, malevolent, it is. Now that they've gone, all the spaceships you see in the sky are from the good ones, the positive ones, so because they've have started ruling out a plan of uh, disclosure. So they are going to show themselves more and more to, you know, um, yeah. get people used to see them, to the existence of ETs. Well, um, so I would say now, what is in play? You, you would start uh, in the, throughout the history, uh, would start like this. It's been first, uh, well, no, it's been both, I'd say. First, the reptilians were there to um, terraform the planet as they wanted. But then uh, they were kicked out by uh, the Intergalactic Confederation who uh, reharmonized the planet to make it more suitable for more diversity of life and uh, not reptilian sea car based planet. They won't have that, uh, set it free, leave it on its own. So that's what the Intergalactic Confederation did, the Patal. Um, they they re, uh, reformed the planet in a way that it was more suitable for life and uh, put the emphasis on human genome. And then they left. They left it on its own device. But then the, the Anunnaki came. They weren't um, good um, agendas, you know, they enslaved people, they altered the DNA, they, they, they weren't really, really nice. Then 
positive people came, um, refugees from the Lyran Wars, um, uh, the intergalactic confederation came back. Uh, so that was a positive period. And then the, the Sikars came back, they were kicked out. Um, the Nebu came, they were kicked out. Um, there was a kind of peaceful period. And then um, the Nebu came back and that's where we are now until last year when they were kicked out. Uh, it, so it's been one and the other. And now I would say um, it's quite positive because the, the regressives have been uh, kicked out and it's just now us to deal with the, the remaining humans who were uh, working with them, uh, going down in flames. <laughs> yeah. um, and, um, you know, and that's where we are. And positive uh, alliance with extraterrestrials uh, now uh, with the Galactic Federation of Worlds, it's... it's um, it's good it's yeah, good it's a very exciting future it's hard to hard to really appreciate how 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 this is going to change over the even the, just the next decade and years to come so how can people uh, raise their vibration and um do their part for for helping humanity first cut the fear anything that's fear-based refuse it because fear is manipulation so stay within yourself, your boundaries, what matters for you to become stronger, more empowered, more sovereign, and that will be the only way you can help others. Raising your frequency is important for many reasons. The best reason is to discover who you are, who's inside this body. So it's a set of meditations. You can do your meditation and go within refuse fear, go within, breathe and try to see who is in this body, who you are. And that's the, the key to all knowledge. Um, so that, that would be very long to, to do meditations together, but I have many uh, meditations on my channel. You can have them. Um, th th that's what we need to do. Refuse fear. Heal yourself. Heal your traumas by any means you, you, you can. Any therapy that suits you or any meditation or technique that suits you, heal your traumas. When you have healed your traumas, found peace within. You are at peace with yourself. You are not in conflict in yourself, different parts of yourself, mm -hmm. okay? So then you are not drawn to be in conflict with other people because what is a conflict is... Uh, playing roles like dolls with another person who's going to impersonate your conflict, you know what, and you, you fight together and you find a resonance. When you are angry at something, you're going to create a certain resonance and uh, someone else who has the same resonance will come to you and you will argue and you, you, will, you will help each other to heal yourselves. But that's, when that is a... <laughs> Mm -hmm. the scale of continents you know that yeah. stop heal yourself first that's yeah. the key do you think uh, we have to wait uh, for the majority of people to have healed a lot of their traumas before we can have this uh, contact do, are, are we waiting for that to some extent that for the for the majority of the world or even the whole world to, to uh, start to heal um or is it just a subset i mean 
I feel like we've got a long way to wait (laughs) if we are going to. Yeah, no, no, no. As long as humans will born and die, uh, there will always be traumas. Traumas are part of Mm -hmm. the evolution. uh, Yeah. Uh, it is best trying to heal your traumas as much as you can. But always, that's always anyway. But what is uh, going to happen is that we are going to get on together because the division, ag- divis- division agenda is created by the deep state. And when the deep state will have finished to collapse, the division agenda will just collapse also. Mm-hmm. It ha- will happen at the same time as humanity will blossom spiritually. We'll have all this new technology, etc. We'll feel better and we will stop less and less to, to argue with each other. So we will reach a stage when uh, the deep state will be gone, collapsed, and we will start to look at each other as one humanity. Mm-hmm. Then we're ready. But we need to do that. Yeah. Kicked uh, the deep state and um and uh being reasonable <laughs> I, I'm, I'm lucky to have met a lot of um people like my like myself who are trying to raise their frequency and to become one and to look after the planet and everything but there are a lot of people out there who are not doing that and are very much still stuck in a very fear-based world and as much as i um want to help them they got to help themselves and i appreciate that we, we've got to be patient because you can't force someone to change. They have to change in their, in their own, in their own mind. And it, this could take time for a lot of people. So imagine there's a bit of a holdup from the, from the respect of all, all the people that are still trapped in, in these traumas and, and wounds that are stopping them from really raising their vibration. Um, yeah. I, so uh, is there, is there a question there? I, I guess, to what extent do we have to wait for them to wake up or become uh, one with one with um, the rest of humanity before we can uh, finally meet our galactic neighbors and get the technology and really, you know, really advance as humanity? Or do we have to kind of just be patient? Because I, I, sometimes I think that we could be waiting for many, many more years still. But other times I feel very positive. So it's, it's hard to tell, really. There's, um, there's an effect. Uh, it's a law that uh, just a certain amount of people can uh, reson- make awaken and resonate uh, mm-hmm. a bigger number. Um, I do not remember the numbers, the, the ratio, but you don't need the whole planet to be like this. You just need a percentage. And... Now, at that stage, those there are people who will not awaken. It's sad to say. It's their path, it's their journey, it's their choice. And there is nothing we can do for them. Just love them and assist them and cherish them and help them go through this. Yeah. Because it's their choice. We, suddenly us, the people who are willing to make a change and to change ourselves, we become understand the position of the galactic federation of worlds towards us us towards the people who don't want to wake up we need to be like this respect their choices having done everything we could to give them to present them the choice 
But at the end of the day, they choose. They have the sovereignty. They have the power of decision, even if we give them the choice and we say, yes, but you know, that would be better for you. That's horrible. That's better. And at the end of the day, they choose because Mm -hmm. that's that's them. You know, you, you can't do more. You can't force them to take a decision, you know, and that's now you understand upstairs how frustrated they can be. Okay. You know? (laughs) Because there's a lot of frustration here as well. <laughs> yes. Now you get it. You know, now you get it. These people, sometimes it's our own family. We need to respect them and love them. These ones will not change. So we must not wait that these ones uh, change because it will never happen. Mm-hmm. It's just those who now at that stage have started to awaken and take responsibility for themselves without following the fear narratives these ones are going to be the ones who are going to set up the new world and, you know, this beautiful future. So uh, it, it, and it's these people who are changing. It's up to them. That's them yeah. uh, who are going to make it happen, to learn how to get on with each other, you know, to uh, um, stop consenting, to obey to the deep state or things like this. Um, and what do you say to people that are, are awake, are trying to awaken humanity or do their part, who, who maybe feel that they're not doing enough, or maybe mm. they're concerned that they may look back on this period and, and wish they'd done more? What, what would you say to those people? Okay. I would say that you cannot save everyone. You send signals and you plant seeds, and whoever is ready takes it, hears it. You, when you plant seeds in a ground that is not fertile, it's not going to, 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 to make it. Mm-hmm. So it's not your fault if some grounds haven't been fertile to receive the seeds because that's what they are, who they are. So you've done your best. You've done your mission. If you do your best, you know you do your best to the maximum of your capabilities, You've done enough. Yeah. And working because, on yourself yeah. is so important as well. Yes. Yeah. And show the example. I give you an example, a personal example. One day I was walking in the street here during the lockdown and everybody had this. this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yes, in the street. I don't know how the extent of what I can say on your, your podcast. Okay. <laughs> and they were to me, they were like zombies. And I was so distressed to see them, you know, because I love people and I was upset to see mm-hmm. people like this blind in the matrix. And I I forced a communication with Thoran while I was walking in the street. And I said, look, look where I am. And I show you by my own eyes. And I'm spending day and night to work, to try to wake people up, but still, it's it's beyond me. Look, uh, it's this whole world. It's be, mm-hmm. be, what can I? I'm just cracking up. What can I do more? I, yeah. I'm just going to kill myself trying to to do more. And he said, and and he said, do not try to convince them. Be yourself, and show them. What did he say? Be yourself and show them. Mm-hmm. Very wise. I got it. I myself 
I say what I think, I say what I humbly know, and I show by my behavior uh, what whoever it resonates with, you know, mm. be inspired to do the same. But yeah. I just be myself and I don't try to change the world, just change myself. And I radiate it as much as I can be myself strongly. That's what I have to do. It sounds like though that you've had similar thoughts in terms of had no, you can never do enough, can you? In some respects, yeah. in the, I don't know if that's the ego getting the way or if it's no, it's, it's despair, sort of... it's frustration because yeah. I think love was involved. Because if I didn't love people, I wouldn't care. It's you know, it's in your. I, I'm lucky my family is like me, but I know some families, their husbands or wives have have taken harmful choices, and the the my friends were like this desperate i have a friend her husband died and she done everything she could to not uh to convince her husband not to do certain things but at the end of the day he did it and uh because she loved him you know because you love people you're going to fight for them if you don't love them it's just for you you don't care mm -hmm. you just you know that's love <laughs> love is the fuel love it is a fuel um i've experienced that myself definitely in terms of um when it ignites <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh yeah it's, it's quite quite yeah, difficult me, um, yeah. yeah so um i think uh if if, if we can uh, maybe talk a bit about how people can reach you who haven't already and find out a bit more about you and your channel and your books okay thank you um my channel, Elena Danan, um, on YouTube, uh, you have, everything is free. You have, uh, um, I advise you to go in uh, the playlist guidance. It's on my homepage of my channel, guidance or guidance through these times. And in that playlist, you have about 100 free meditations. So mm -hmm. try them. Uh, you have my website, elenadanan.com org org mm -hmm. you, and everything about me where to buy my books uh workshops uh articles uh, merchandise anything that can uh, make t-shirts and artwork to uh, pay my bills you know? <laughs> <laughs> things like that but uh, it's just check it out um and uh, everything to contact me is in there okay well thank you very much for, for your time it's been fascinating we've covered a lot of topics there and um i would love to speak to you again sometime with pleasure you had great questions i really enjoyed thank this you. chat thank oh, you i really enjoyed it too